Cal Allen has to be one of the best kept secrets in all of line hunting. He's in his mid 40s uh, and he is a true professional. He is. He's a guiding outfitter. Makes a living at it. But he is very, very good at it. He also, he'll, now he's the only one of the bunch who will chase something besides a lion. He'll chase bears, he'll go hog hunting, coyote hunting with the dogs, but he always uses different dogs. One thing unique to Cal, he will not hunt male dogs. He only hunts females, and, he, and he'll explain in detail in the interview. So if you want to go on a good lion hunt, give old Cal a call. I'm sure he'll take you and you'll enjoy it and have a great time. So welcome, Cal Allen from Kingman, Arizona. Okay, today we're with Cal Allen. Uh, it's July 19th, 2002. And uh, if you'd like to start out, Cal, if you'd just tell us a little bit about yourself, where he's born and raised and that sort of thing. I'm a native-born Arizonan. I was born in Buckeye, Arizona. We lived in Gila Bend. Um, I moved to Kingman when I was five years old. I went to school in Kingman, Arizona. Went to the military after that. Went to college in Tulsa, Oklahoma after that. Moved back to Arizona and have spent the rest of my life in Northern Arizona, most of it. Some of it in Southern Arizona, Tucson, Phoenix. Um, I've worked construction till about 1993 when I started running my own guide business and I've been doing that ever since. What, um, what, uh, got you into hound hunting? Who inspired um, you in that? My grandfather came from the hills of West Virginia. He, uh, hunted worked in the coal mines all his life and always had hounds when he was back there. Now he never had them when he was out here, but um, all the other people that I was around had hounds and I always wanted to be a, wanted to have hounds and, and things like that and go hunt with them. It always, I always thought that it would be something that I wanted to do. And um, I finally got to do it in um, Eastern Arizona on my cousin's ranch. They had a ranch over by Sholo their granddad had a some really good black and tans and uh when I was about seven or eight we went over there and, and uh, caught a couple lions and after that I was pretty much hooked I needed to have my own hounds. Now when you came back out of the service and, and you started back with the hounds um how long did it take for you to be successful or had you had enough experience prior to that where you could just kind of step back into it um, it took a little while. I didn't just go out and get the best hound I could at that time. I got some hounds and worked with them for a while. Um, worked with some other houndsmen that are pretty good at, were pretty good at catching lions and got some pretty good dogs. And it took a year or two before I really started catching a lot of game. Did you train your own strike dog or did you uh, purchase one? No, I trained every strike dog I've ever had. I've I've had some hounds that were supposedly good hounds, but never came in to, as good as the hounds that I've trained myself. I see. I noticed that you have uh, a menagerie of different breeds yes, out there. Yes, I do. Is there, any, or is there a particular favorite that you have right there? Um, I think my, my blue tick, red tick dogs in that are probably the best. I've tried plots and walkers and black and tans and red bones, and I've had 
good ones in all of them, but it's just seemed to be that these dogs that I have now that are out of um, red and Marana and my old English type blue tick, red tick dogs that are just every day go hunting for me and they'll do what I want. They don't, when I drop the tailgate, I don't have to see them running over the next reds. They're right there one to hunt with me. They do real well. Do you have do you have paper dogs or just your um, best? No, I have some that are great, some that are registered. Yeah. I noticed that most of the line and bear hunters out in this country uh, seldom have papers on them. And what they'll do is they'll breed best of the best to get that line. Um, Sassy, my one of my best dogs out there in the yard is. Uh, she's um, out of a half brother, half sister cross. She's um, not not registered, but she's. Just one of a million. She had three sisters that were as good as her, and uh, out of that breeding was probably a, a super breeding, and really did well with that. Now you uh, you like to run the females more. Yes. So. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, I do. I believe that uh, when I put my females on the ground, they go out there to hunt. They uh, they hunt harder for me than the males do. I believe that. The females really wish to hunt harder. They also don't spend a lot of time like the males do, that they have to do the male dominance thing. They, they're not dominant towards each other the way a male is dominant towards each other. Um, they don't have to mark a bush after a coyote or another man, another male. They just get down and get to work and do the hunting. Can you uh, give a little advice to somebody who just wants to start out thinking they want to be a, a bear and lion hunter as, as to what to do or how to do it or forget it or what? Uh, well, it, it, it's going to take dedication. You're going to have to have some bulldog tenacity and stay with it because unless you go out and, and go hunt with a dog and then purchase him and know that he's a very good dog or she's a very good dog, um, it's going to be tough just to go get your dogs and go catch stuff. Um, I've got a, a guy in New Mexico that tried that and he, uh, it took him a couple years and then he started catching, catching game, but he had quite a few different dogs that he worked with. He had some real good Steve Smith red ticks and, and, uh, some other real good dogs that he had and, and it took him a couple years, but he's at the end of it now where he's really catching a lot of game and doing well with it. So you know, if you're going to start out and you want to get a dog, get a, if you're going to start out doing a puppy, um, you need to get a good pup and stay with it and don't give up on it right away. If things don't go your way, which they hardly ever do, uh, don't give up and say, well, this isn't for me. Just keep trying, keep trying, and it'll come around and things will go your way. How, how young or how old do you start your pups in training? Um... You know, I'm I'm pretty tough on, on young dogs, and anybody who's watching this or see this and knows me and been around me, uh, they know that I expect a lot out of a, a dog pretty early. I, um, I don't want a dog that takes him two years to go run a track or go tree or go trail. I think, uh, you know, I don't expect a four, four-month-old puppy to go strike his own lion and catch his own lion, but I, I believe that once they're five, six, seven months old, if I have an old dog and they go with them, and they're starting things out that that's okay for them. Um, I know I, you'll read a lot of articles on things that says that, you know, dogs shouldn't be able to go do this till they're a year old. And I think that there's a lot of dogs that have caught lots of game before they're a year old. And uh, I've had a couple in my life 
that started late and they turned out real great, but it seems like most of my dogs that have been my my better dogs have started out earlier in life. The later dogs, were they black and tans? By um, actually, no, both of them were Steve Mathis dogs. Oh, okay. Um, whenever you take your dogs to the outlying hunting, uh, do you just say hunt with the strike dog and keep the rest of them yoked up, or you just say turn six or seven of them loose and go for it? Um, I usually have one real good strike dog that goes out and I keep um, a couple back. I may put one young dog, and when I say young, I would say a year to three years old, a dog that's not, you know, I, I don't think a, a dog's still a young dog until they're three or four years old. Um, I'll take one real good dog that's a real good trained dog, put another younger dog with it, and then keep two or three with me back to uh, until they really get things lined out, then I'll put those in with the race and let them go. One of your dogs, you're telling me that the one of them had to uh, he checked out every track and, and normally got to the tree about two hours late. Yeah, he was a, a little dog that um, I got from David Heise that David got from Daryl Fry, and he was a phenomenal little dog. He, um, he had a nose that was just unreal. And he hunted hard. He was a very good dog, but he just never would bring his head up and run a track. He wanted to go track to track to track to track. And um, this little cur dog had a nose bar none better than most hounds will ever have in any cur I've ever seen in my life. He was a, he was a great tree dog, and he was a, a real good little gritty dog would just flat jump on anything and do what he needed to do. But he, uh, he just needed to walk every track he needed to smell to the tree. Many times we would have the lion caught and doing the, the kill pitchers when Buck would show up. <laughs> <laughs> Still working with him one track yeah. at the time. He was a neat little dog. On, on conditioning of your dogs, and, and I guess I'm, I'm leaning toward the feeding of them. I know your dogs are in really good shape out there. Uh, what kind of feeding program do you have? Um, I like to feed my dogs myself. I know lots of guys just have feeders and put them out. I think for puppies, that's okay. I think for once you have your dogs going, you need to personally feed each dog. Um, Belle will get fat on two cups of food a day. Um, Sassy, she may need four cups of food to keep her in the same shape. Uh, sir, every dog is a little different. Uh, some just stay lean on as much as you can feed them. Other dogs, you put that much feed to them and they would just be little potbelly pigs. Um, each dog is a little different. I try to keep my dogs, I don't want my dogs to get fat and then have to get back into hunting shape. I try to keep my dogs in shape year round. I hunt every day that I can hunt through the year. We. Um, take the dogs out right from my house right here. We're right next to a mountain range. And each night we'll take four dogs out on the four-wheeler and run them six to 10 miles and keep them in shape. We'll rotate that where about, I put about 30 miles under each dog a week to keep them in real good shape. Do you use a tracking collar? Yes, I do. How long have you used them? Um, probably for about the last seven years, somewhere around there. Back when I first started with hounds, we didn't have tracking colors. We just had to get on the horses and follow them as fast as we could, or if we were afoot, we just followed them afoot as fast as we could. Back when um, I first started, we used to have uh, an old dog that was kind of crippled up and he couldn't go real fast, and we kept a little bell on him. 
and we'd let him go at the last dog out of the race and we could keep up with him and me being in pretty good shape and, and uh, athlete most of my life, we could always run and keep up with him. He would lead us to the rest of the dogs. Do you uh, ever hunt off horseback or you just do um, ATVs? I hunt horseback, mule, off of mules. We hunt off ATVs. We hunt off of uh, foot. We'll go to a spot, walk a ridge, let the dogs go. Um, I don't really do a lot out of the truck. Um, once in a great while, we may go up on Kaibab or something and take the truck on a real cold day and, and go look for a lion truck in the snow. But other than that, we really don't uh, hunt much out of the truck. What about rattlesnakes out in this country? There's plenty of rattlesnakes in this country. And um, most of your puppies, if you get your puppies out and get them around those early, they, they pretty much stay away from them. I've had maybe two or three dogs bit in my lifetime, and I never lost it any of those three to rattlesnakes, yeah. so I'm not really worried too much about it. They just swell up pretty bad two or three days, and that's about it. Yeah, you uh, put a bunch of combiotics in them, get some azium in them, and, and nurse them through it, and they usually recover pretty good. Um, what's the biggest lion you've ever taken? Um, Boone and Crockett score, weight, length, what, what's biggest? Everybody has their own idea of what a big lion is. We've caught, we've caught some, I've caught some lions that are 15 and 7 eighths head wise, Boone and Crockett measurement, that's a pretty good size. I've always heard about 200 pound lions. I don't know if I've ever caught one or not. I've caught a couple that were um, 180 pounds without the field rust. Um, we've taken them out 180 pounds. I've caught uh, one lion um back in the 80s that measured nine foot three inches nose to tail now that lion probably weighed no more than 140 pounds he was 15 16 17 years old he had been around a long long time he was a uh, i would have loved to have seen that lion in the prime of his life when he was eight or nine but he was a tremendous cat would you rather run a lion or a bear um Lions are just fantastic. Bears are great. I like, I love it when we go bear hunting and um, it's fun to watch a dog's tree a bear. I think a lion, a lion dog is, is a harder dog to come by than a bear dog. I believe that bear dogs, um, now trailing wise, uh, trailing wise, I think it takes a, a little, a little different dog to trail a lion than it does a bear. Now to to put enough pressure on a bear and make him tree, that takes another different type of dog there. A lot of, it, I've had a few dogs that were pretty good both ways. I've had two or three in my life that were exceptional bear and lion dogs. But it usually turns out when you've got an exceptional lion dog, it's a mediocre bear dog at best. If you've got an exceptional bear dog, it's a mediocre lion dog at best. I've never had a litter full that were just world beaters both ways. Uh, when we talked to Warner Glenn, he, he kept referring or stating that uh, you had to have two or three different types of dogs in your pack. And he, he, he was referring to treeing dogs, tracking dogs, and locator dogs. Do you find that uh, you have to have something like that or you just... Absolutely correct. Uh, Jared and I have talked on this many times. Uh, that you know if you have a couple that are real good cold trailing dogs those dogs will get you through some tough plots that you won't you may not catch that lion if you don't have a dog like that now 
when you have another dog that'll just flat get up and fly a track and just get after it, a good jump dog is great to have a dog like that in there. And then one of those dogs that just blow the top off of a tree when you get up there is another good thing to have. And you know, you don't need to have one dog that does it all. If you have two or three, and I know lots of guys that catch lions with one dog, and I've got a couple that I've caught one lions with one dog before, but um, having two or three dogs when you have a real good trail dog, a real good fast jump dog, a good tree and locating dog, um, man, you've got you've got the ticket to success right there. And um, that can take several years to accomplish. I mean, to reach that level. Um, to say? get to get dogs like that, yeah, it takes yeah. a little bit. I've got a. I've got two or three that, that do that real well together. Sassy's hunted with Bell, Bell's hunted with Latigo, they've hunted with Freckles. Um, you get those dogs together, one, and they honor each other well. When Sassy or Bell strikes a track, Latigo and Freckles know that that's where they need to be on those dogs. When those dogs get going, they get the track jumped, Latigo's a screaming, just flying track dog. She'll just put the tot, she'll, she's a phenomenal tree dog. Um, Freckles, she's a good tree dog, a very good jump dog, and she'll put the pressure on any bear lion, and make him climb, get out of the way. He'll, he'll leave and, and uh, not stay on the ground and want to be there. So you get you get three or four together that you hunt them with that three or four years and you get them tuned up, they do real well. Yeah, I, I would think that it would take three or four years to to find the different type of dogs and, and to really know your dogs to where you know what they're going to do. It takes a while. Um, a lot of them, you know, it takes two or three years for them to really understand that where a lion goes, where to look for a lion, how to, you know, to smell up on a twig and lick the twig and get the scent out. If he goes under a fence to smell that wire, to smell this rock, um, know what a scrape is, how to work it. Um, it takes a few years for a dog to learn that. Now, once in a while, you'll have a world beater come out, but they're few and far between. Do you uh, do you find your, your best strike dogs, do you think they really hunt for those scrapes? Um, you, know, you find those, they, they realize where those scrapes are to be found at most of the time. Do they, do they really look for those? Um, it depends how I'm hunting. If I'm hunting like the, the Music Mountain Ranch where we've hunted a lot, there's two or three spots in there where the scrapes are just phenomenal. And uh, I mean, you can walk 100 yards and see 60 scrapes. And it's, it's on a rim rock, it goes to a saddle, goes up a rim and goes in another saddle. And uh, when we hunted that all the time, when I turned my dogs loose, they would know where to go to find those scrapes along those rims yeah. in those saddles because they had hunted it so often they knew this is where the lion goes through now when i'd hunt a new country they would hunt it just like they were you know they were looking for sign if uh we go back to that spot even today sassy bell latigo they'll go up there and they'll say okay this is where the lion's gonna go this is where we need to go look and find them and uh the only thing is is i've never got a dog that could tell them go up to the scrape and know that the scratch went that way and that's where they were supposed to go. <laughs> Speaking of scrapes, do you think they make it with the hind legs or the front legs? Um, boy, this, is, you, a, this, is, a, this is a big uh, <laughs> debate. Uh, you know, Jared and I talked about this a while back and uh, Jared said that he believes they make them with the back feet, but 
you know, we had some bobcats when we were little as, as pets and I have been house cats. You know, I've never seen a house cat or a bobcat cover that, cover their feces or make a scrape with their back feet. They always made it with their front feet and I just never could understand why he's just a little bit bigger house cat and I would think that he makes it with his front feet and the way that it's pulled up from so far when a big tom lion pulls 16, 18 inches out and will pull that debris back, I just believe he'd have to do that with his front feet that he doesn't do with his back feet. Yeah, I know everybody has their, their personal opinions. Yeah. That. Of course, half of them are right and half of them are wrong. Yeah, well, you know, then he could do it both ways, and that could be a 50-50. There you go. <laughs> How much do you think a good strike dog's worth? Say a two-year-old has been in training and he's broke and everything, and, and uh, you think he'd be a good strike dog. How much do you think that would be worth? You know, what a strike dog would be worth to me and what it would be worth to someone else could be a, a matter of a brand-new Ford diesel pickup. <laughs> uh, um, you know, when you put two years of training in a dog and you get him out there and you hunt him and you put a lot of game under him, and you get him where you're just hoping that he's broke at two years. Um, I don't know if I've ever had a real good broke dog at two years. But at two years, you know, you put, put everything good under him. You've made sure that the bad things he's been corrected on and things like that. You know, if I had to set a price on a good broke two-year-old dog that, uh, something like that, you know, if you said $2,000, that might be way under. If you said 5000 that might be too much. Um, it depends. If you're just out pleasure hunting and you want a real good broke dog that you're going to hunt 10 times a year, you may not want to invest three or $4,000 in a dog. If you're going to go out and take 25 clients a year in a business like, and you're going to charge, you know, I don't know, some guys will charge four or $5,000 a lion hunt. And, uh, you need a dog that's a good, broke, solid dog, you know, $5,000 is not an unreasonable, unreasonable price to pay for a dog like that. So I guess it just depends on whether you're going to make a living off that or pleasure hunting. And yeah, just I, go from there. I believe it's, it ha like I said, you know, um, a, a dog that I wouldn't sell for $10,000 might not be worth 200 for someone else. Would you rather hunt off a horse or a mule? Um, I'd rather hunt off of a mule. Um, you know what, a mule won't kill himself yeah. or you. And a horse, sometimes I've had some of them that thought that they could jump across things that I don't think anything could jump across, <laughs> and they tried to do it with me under them. The word cold nose, I, I, I know that uh, there's going to be some people that are coon hunters that are back east and everything, and, and, and I know that whenever we talk about cold nose dogs out here, and we talk about how the, a good cold-nosed dog can, can start a track that's two and three days old, they have a really hard time believing that. And I think the, the reason is that they've never got to experience that. But what is your definition of cold-nosed? I mean, a real cold-nosed dog. A real cold-nosed dog is a dog that, to me, is a dog that can run a two- or three-day-old track. Now, I've seen dogs that were an exception, a freak of nature that could run a track that was twice that old before. Yeah. Now, did that dog ever throw another dog like him? No. Did he throw better than average dogs? Yes. I've got him in my yard that he produced the dogs that could make two and three day old lion track dogs. Um, 
You know, um, a dog that runs a track overnight will catch you a lot of lions if you're covering a lot of country and you can find that track. Um, in a day that I go out in one of these ranges out here where we hit 110 temperatures, a lot of those kind of dogs won't catch you many lions because they just, it, uh, to me, it seems like the cold nose goes with desire. Cold nose, um, intelligence, and desire are something that just to have a dog that has the ability to run a three-day-old track is one thing. Having one that will sit down, slow down, and want to stay with that track, having the desire and heart to finish that track is another thing entirely. Um, I don't see a whole lot of dogs like that today. I know maybe five or six hunters out here that have those kind of dogs, and, and they're, they're hard to come by. I'm, I'm not saying that every time I breed, have a breeding that I go out and I have 10 pups that all 10 pups are going to do that. Um, it takes a lot of work. I think a lot of it's in training to make a pup do that, to slow them down, not make them want to run and go and hunt. You got to make them slow down, make them hunt, make them try to, to work that old track and get it going. And once you get them past that part where they will really start to work an old track, them having the ability and the desire is the next two things that have to come into play. Once you have that, man, you've got the makings of something great. Oh, yeah. A phenomenal dog. Do you ever use training scents or on drags and stuff? Um, not a lot. We play with the pups maybe when they're two, three, four months old, maybe something in that. Once they're up where they're going to tra trail, I'd rather just go out, find a lion track, and let them go with an older trained dog and let them do that. Um, once in a while, my boys, we go to uh, some of the field trials, and they do the, the drags there and stuff. And I don't know, that's a pretty hot scent, you know, when you lay it down and you turn the dog loose six minutes later. So um, pretty much everything we do is uh, we let them trail real game. We don't do a lot with training since now we have a rope in the puppy pen that's frayed on the end and we'll go out there and drop some lion scent on the end of that frayed rope and the pups right away go to it and play tug on that rope and we'll do it with a tennis ball put a little few drops on there and let them roll it out and let them trail up that tennis ball and find it but as a um, laying a drag i many years ago when i had a couple hounds i tried that and I wasn't really sure whether they were trailing me yeah. or the scent, so I really didn't put them in the kind of Even in snow country, when you're in snow country, to go back, now our country's different in Arizona snow country than it is, say, in Idaho. When you get a, a good snow in Idaho or northern Utah or Wyoming, and those, those type of areas, when we get snow down here, we may get six inches, seven inches of snow in a mountain range, but if the sun pops out the next day, every one of those south-facing slopes, that sun's gone. Now on that north side, your dogs will run that like a house on fire. When they hit that south-facing slope, they'll think that dog, that lion stepped off on the moon or somewhere because he just disappeared. And it, uh, and that's just the conditions that we have here. You know, we may get a cold front come through. Now if that cold front will stay and we'll get some lingering clouds for two or three days, you can run a three-day track in that kind of condition. But if you've got a storm that comes through, drums a bunch of snow, and then you get a big clearing behind it, and that sun's setting down there in the south, just eating those yeah. south-facing slopes off. And like I said, when you see that track, you go, man, we got him caught. 
and you dump the dogs in there and they take off that and they hit this side and they're out there just like that's a five-day-old track where did he go what happened here and um you know a lot of guys don't understand that they think that man a snow track's a snow track and and you turn them loose in a snow track and it's gone and a good exception to this was a a kid that lived here in town about seven eight years ago he always thought that Hound hunters got it so easy, you just dump them out of the truck on that track, and, and it's caught. And about three years ago, he bought it, got his own hounds, and started with it. And it took him three years to catch his first line. He has a very much higher opinion of hound hunters today than he had five, six years ago because he found out that it's just not so the way he thought it was. Yeah, that'll do it. About three years of hard work. Yeah, it takes a while.